You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the NFL has had a bad last few weeks off the football field. And today's show, we'll talk about the lawsuits with the Rams and the Texans and even more serious crimes involving a former NFL Pro Bowler. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, alongside my partner and co-host Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Thanks for jumping on the Locked On Texans podcast, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We're part of the FanRag Sports Network, and usually we're talking on-the-field stuff, but, man, it's been a messy little last few weeks here. It might be a show that... I don't know. I don't think you'd want your kids to listen to this one. So uh, usually we're pretty G-rated, but uh, not today, just because the, the story's uh, unfortunately not good and not real uh, kid-friendly. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from the Texans cheerleaders, what they had to say in their lawsuit against the Texans organization. You're going to want to know the details, but first, Brian, have you heard about this Kellen Winslow story? This was a crazy one. No, I haven't heard it. What's going on with him? Is he in trouble? Oh, more than trouble. Uh, Kellen Winslow Jr., and uh, I'm going to remind you who he is in just a bit, uh, but he was charged with kidnapping and raping women, one of the women 54 years old. A prosecutor said that twice, once in March and again in May, Winslow picked up a transient woman uh, who was hitchhiking in a clip from the hearing the uh, prosecuting hearing, a, a prosecutor been heard saying that both women were threatened by Winslow with murder if they said anything. Some of the details, uh, it, it's it's even more gruesome, but just it, it's it's crazy, bizarre, Brian. I mean, Winslow, we're talking about a former pro bowler, his dad, a Hall of Famer, you know, Kellen Winslow, uh, the first one, uh, the original Kellen Winslow, but... I mean, it, it's shocking. And, and Brian, I think that they're even talking, and I don't know if this is necessarily from the from the defend, defending attorneys, but, you know, we could hear the CTE defense now used, you know, after what happened with the Aaron Hernandez deal. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, you have to have, something has to be going on in your mind and actually to, to have the, the gumption to go out and to commit such an act. And uh, the fact that, you know, the ladies were, you know, in their 50s, I mean, it, it, something was going on with him or something has triggered that to where he was in that state of mind. And again, we're not, you know, in his body, you know, trying to figure out what was his psyche whenever he decided to allegedly uh, commit these crimes. But um, it, it's going to be a heck of a case. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, they're going to throw the book at him. Um, this is just, you know, his dad, you know, because Kellen Winslow, you know, was a respectable NFL player for for quite some time, and his son had had made some inroads. So you, you wonder what what the heck is going on, and uh, I, I just need to see more details about this. It is just as bizarre as you could possibly get with news like this. Yeah, I mean, it's a 54 year old woman. Then there was a, a charge uh, as well with a 59 year old woman within oh. a couple of months of each other. Um, you know, and he's, he's got nine counts, including burglary and decent exposure, uh, or oral copulation. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, you know, I just, it's, it's really shocking because, 
you know, this was a guy, we're talking about a Pro Bowl, you know, athlete, several years in the NFL. Everybody might remember him also with the Miami teams. He played with Andre Johnson back in the day. Uh, just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's weird. And then um, another headline, which unfortunately, or this one's not quite as sad. Uh, fortunately, it's not quite, quite as, as ugly or sad as, as the other one. But Reggie Bush awarded $12.5 million from the Rams. Everybody might have seen this story. He was re- awarded because of negligence at their old stadium in St. Louis. So these, of course, goes back to his uh, days when he was playing with the Rams in St. Louis, when the Rams were, of course, in St. Louis at that time. What was kind of funny about this, Brian, was how he won this lawsuit. If you didn't um, know what this was all about, Reggie had a season-ending knee injury back in 2015, claimed the Rams were negligent in keeping the ring of concrete around the field exposed. Now, uh, you might, you might you know, have seen this at certain stadiums where they have concrete between the field and the actual stands at some of the stadiums. And that was exposed, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't well kept. It was a slippery surface, which is how he tore up his knee. You know, given the speeds of football, that's what they're, they're saying that the negligence uh, has to do with. And obviously the injury, not funny, but remember, uh, the rest of this story that the Rams owner Stan Kroenke blamed the condition of the stadium when he wanted to leave St. Louis. Well, this lawsuit went in front of a St. Louis jury, and I'm guessing, Brian, they were probably angry Rams fans that cited Kroenke's reason for wanting to leave St. Louis for awarding Reggie Bush the money. So, you know, you reap what you <laughs> sow in that situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it it's it it is a an interesting situation there, and um, you know, just certainly, you know, uh, due process will play out uh, with that situation, but um, it, it it's such news that um, that that certainly um, is kind of troubling to hear, but um, it will work itself out without a doubt. Well, it worked itself out. He's got twelve and a half million dollars thanks to the jury, so there 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 is working yourself out. Worked out great for him, and 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 remember, this is a nearly Texans' uh, first pick in the draft. Uh, we we could have had him instead of yeah. Mario Williams, and I know a lot of you out there at the time uh, d- don't be don't be backing off of it now. I know you were out there crying for Reggie Bush back th- back in the day. You were one of those guys, were you, Brian? Don't cry for me, Argentina. It makes me think of that song. But uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't want Reggie Bush uh, at the time. You know, I, I think at you know we we were right on with what we had uh, back in that draft. What was that? Two thousand two thousand six. Is that the year we got Mario Williams? Right. That's correct. Yes. Yes. So you know, I was happy about the pick back then, and. We really, you know, at the time, you know, especially with David Carr, we were already, I, I was already thinking about, I mean, is this the guy of the future? Is this guy going to lead us to, to anything? But uh, certainly, um, you know, Reggie Bush, <laughs> he got paid. He's going to be okay. And um, I think it worked out just fine as how it, it eventually ended up. Honestly, Brian, I felt like I was a lone wolf. I was one of the guys when, when, you know, Capers uh, and, and Casterly made that move. Not Capers, uh, Casterly and, and Kubiak made that move. I was one of those guys that thought that was the move to make. I, you know, Reggie Bush, I agreed with the people that said he's, he's not going to be able to survive in the NFL at his size and running backs. Even back then, I was of the belief that, yeah, they're just not worth, uh, you know, taking the first pick in the draft with the running back. And Mario Williams, if he was going to be an elite pass rusher, and we were thinking, oh, he's the next 
uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor or some, could be, or not Lawrence Taylor, but defensive end, probably Reggie White. Uh, and, and even Jadavian Clowney would be the current guy. You know, he was going to be that guy. And, it, you know, I, I don't know about you. I just thought I was the only one out there that, you know, everybody else wanted him or VY, mostly VY. It was all about VY Vince Young. People wanted him, and um, you know, especially after he came off of that uh, terrific uh, run. That was the same year he won the national championship. So, what not a better way to bring him into the city of Houston, his home? But uh, we had other plans. We we had other plans, and um, as much as I'm a fan of Vince Young back then with UT, with how it ended up with he and Jeff Fisher, you know, with the Tennessee Titans, you worry if that would have happened here that things wouldn't have been as grand. Um, yeah, Kubiak, what well, Kubiak was already with us at that time, so he was the coach, as, as you said. He may have been able to, you know, adjust the playbook to his his strengths because, you know, a lot of things that were coming out about Vince Young was that, you know, he was very athletic, but as far as a student of the game, willing to learn, willing to get better, willing to use uh, his insight to try to put his – you know, put put his particular imprint on the game itself was was not there. I, I know the guy; he, he is a he's a tremendous you know talent. He's bright, but I don't think that he may have committed enough to that particular craft to use his brain to try to get better uh, with the football and to use that playbook to his advantage. If that makes any sense to you. I just didn't feel like uh, Vince Young was going to be, it was going to be able to translate into the NFL. You know, he didn't, he wasn't making the NFL throws. It was more about his legs and some easier throws that he, he was having to make in, in college football, but crazy stories with, with of course uh, the Kellen Winslow thing and the Reggie Bush deal. But, you know, more locally, we're going to talk about the, the Texans cheerleaders and the lawsuit that they filed in a bit. But before we get to that, Brian, let's talk about our new sponsor, Blue Chew. Hey, fellas, I've got something we need to talk about that's going to change your life. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Uh, That's BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Blue's True is described as prescribed online and ships straight to the door in a discreet package. So no in-person's doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue True prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment for free, use our special promo code LOCKEDON, and just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned a lawsuit for ex-Texans cheerleaders filed against the Texans and their cheerleading director, Alto Gary. The cheerleaders are filing suit. Uh, the ones are Hannah Turnbow, Kimberly Spurlock, Morgan Wiederhold, and Kelly Nooner. All of four of them, all four, were on ABC's Nightline late last week. Let's hear a couple of minutes from that piece, and then we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. Danielle and Ashlyn were rookies last season. Ashlyn turned 18 years old just days before trying out. She says her body still looked like a teenager's when she made the team. This is right after I became a Houston Texans cheerleader. But that summer, things changed, and she says her coach noticed. I woke up, and I looked like a woman and not like a 12-year-old girl, (laughs) and she didn't like the way I looked anymore. I remember Coach Alto pulling me aside saying, 
He looked like you ate a plate of salt. She says her coach also told her she looked like she'd gained the freshman 15. Well, I was appalled. I just, you know, my, I've never been called fat. To this day, I still struggle with weight because I was young and I was called fat multiple times. Those women say that because there was a culture of body shaming, some of them and their teammates felt like they couldn't even eat. So I have had teammates tell me that they didn't eat. I have you know, too. That they skipped meals. Danielle says she too faced harassment from the coach about her appearance, specifically her race, saying she had to have curly, not straight hair. She said, you're replaceable. There are millions of other Hispanics in Houston that would easily take your spot. She did not have to use the, the term Hispanic. Don't get me wrong, I am proud to be that. But as an employee, she shouldn't separate me from anybody else. The women say the harassment extended into the stadium on game days. Jackie Chambers says part of her job was to entertain fans in the stands and sweet boxes. She says the work could be dangerous, requiring the women to have a safe word to alert security if something got out of hand. That safe word is Toro. You could not guarantee that if you said your safe word, you would be heard. It's loud. People are drinking. Sometimes, if we get lucky, we're with an officer. Otherwise, we're with a stadium employee. She says one fan sexually assaulted her in the stands. We're running back down the bleachers. A man reaches over from his chair and runs his hand all the way from the bottom of my boot heel all the way up to the center of my crotch and grabs. Jackie says she reported the incident to her coach, but says she never heard of any follow-up. A lot of people are going to think, oh, well, you're in a little outfit, and this is what you signed up for. I don't care. if Whether it's your mom, whether it's your sister, whether it's your daughter and somebody grabs someone else's crotch, it's not okay. And I thought, wow, working for a billion dollar corporation, they would do something about it and ensure that this didn't happen again. These women say they endured all of this for minimum wage, $7.25 an hour. Despite their contracts stipulating a 30 hour work week, they say they had to be on call 24 seven and were consistently not paid for required activities, including some events and hundreds of hours spent traveling to and from events across the state. I think it's about that time y'all, who's ready? In this Houston Texans website video, Danielle talks about the long hours she says she was putting in. There's a lot of time commitment to this, but I don't think I imagined how much. Um, working a full-time job and being a cheerleader is a, trying to find a balance. Coach Alto would use the term, this is a part-time job with full-time hours, and she wasn't lying. In fact, Coach Alto Gary even says as much in that same video. I say it's a part-time job with full-time hours, if that makes any sense, because it just doesn't stop at practice. Another requirement the women say they weren't paid for? Social media. You're promoting the Houston Texans and you're not getting a dime for it. They say they were required to tweet multiple times a day during football season and expected to respond to emails and direct messages within 10 minutes. If they didn't, they say there were consequences. They actually would send an email out to a specific person. You know, you didn't reply to this. We expected a prompt reply. If you don't reply next time, this could, you know, um, what did they say? Affect how the rest of your season plays out. Yes, this will affect how the rest of your season plays out. Last week, four of Gloria Allred's clients came to New York City with a copy of their lawsuit against the Texans to hand deliver it to the office of NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. These are working women. They deserve fair pay. ABC News reached out to the NFL for comment, but has not received a response. Based on their level of training, do you think that this should be or is a minimum wage job? This is not a minimum wage job. This job has 
value to the team and to the brand. It comes into a respect thing, I think. I'm giving you my heart and soul. For them to kind of throw it in our face and say, you can work all these hours, do all this stuff for us, bring in all this revenue for us, but you're only worth $7.25. Paying us minimum wage and then not also paying us the hours fully that we, we did work for you, that's just like a slap in the face. Do you make a distinction between the Houston Texans football team and the Houston Texas cheerleaders? Do you hold the team accountable? They got comfortable. Mm -hmm. And us as cheerleaders, as employees, because we were too scared to speak up. In a statement to ABC News, the Houston Texans said in part that they, quote, look forward to vigorously defending ourselves against these allegations. We appreciate the Houston Texans cheerleaders for the positive impact they have made in our community and for the outstanding way they have represented our organization for nearly two decades. If there are things we learn from this process that we feel make our cheer program even better, we will make the necessary adjustments. We do not tolerate mistreatment of our cheer team or our employees at any time. We love our team and yeah. we love our city. And we want the Texans to initiate this change because we know they're capable of it. And we're hoping that the rest of the league will be able to follow their leadership. Again, that was ABC's Nightline reporting a couple of days ago. And Texans team attorneys filed a motion describing the lawsuit as frivolous. We're going to get a little bit more into what you just heard in a bit, but want to remind everybody that if you haven't already, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, email us at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If you forget any of that, go to the show description of each podcast. It's all right there. We always love hearing from you, so please email us a question or record an audio message for us, and we'll answer it on the show. We want your voice to be a part of our conversation. Email LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. That's LockedOnTexans at mail.com. Brian, a couple of things to get into with this whole lawsuit and just listening back to that. You know, all I could think of, first of all, is just that things have got to change. You know, with, with the NFL and the cheerleaders, you know, it just doesn't seem to fit with where we are in society right now. You know, we've had the Me Too movement, everything else that's going on. That's part, that part's got to change. But I, I feel like the, the part where the, the cheerleaders might lose here is you know, crying about the fact that they're getting paid minimum wage. And, I, and I've got no problem if you've got a problem with them getting paid minimum wage. for they, they deserve to have more. But you knew that going in, and they said it themselves. You know, Alto Gary told everybody, this is a part-time job that you're getting paid full-time for. Or, I mean, you're getting paid part-time for a full-time job. So, you know, to me, you walk in knowing the situation as far as that goes. Now, the whole, all this stuff, the, the harassment both by – that uh, they're, they're, they're allegedly saying by Alto Gary, uh, they're alleging t by her and also uh, the stuff that was going on el elsewhere and, and not protecting the cheerleaders, which, you know, there, there's no excuse for not protecting the cheerleaders when they're dealing with the public. Uh, that's bad. But yeah, the, the other stuff about the, the minimum wage stuff, that, that was my that would have been my main issue. Just listening back to what they had to say. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. They, they deserve to be paid more because, you know, it's they, they do a lot, you know, especially with their community work. Uh, we don't even know if those hours are, are, are even clockable hours. You know, probably what they're paid for is when they go out uh, during games and they're doing their work there, performing at halftime. Those are their clockable hours. Probably everything else, you know, that's pretty much on their own time. They're not getting uh, paid for that. Um, I just I'm not sure how their structure works, but. Obviously, they, they deserve to be paid more. Maybe they need to unionize or something. I don't know. Maybe somebody needs to needs to come out and put that together. 
I'm pretty sure NFL owners would love that. I think the NFL looks at it more almost like an internship because, you know, you're making, I guess, contacts. I guess that's the reason why you want that, you know, Texans cheerleader on your resume and you're meeting, maybe you're meeting people that can help you. And, you know, if you're pursuing, you know, some sort of career, you know, beyond what you were doing that in your major in college or something like that. I mean, you know, without talking to and surveying like 100 or 200 NFL cheerleaders, it's hard to say why each of them would, would get involved. I'm sure some of them is just like, hey, this is a cool, it would be a cool thing to say that I was an NFL cheerleader or something like that at one point in my life. But, you know, the, the, there's no way that most people would put up with, you know, the, the money that they're making for all the work that they're doing because, you know, it's demanding. It's demanding as far as your hours, like they said. It's demanding physically. I'm sure there's some injuries, some minor injuries, and sometimes you could, I'm sure, get, you know, have more major injuries with the amount of, uh, you know, work that they've got to do uh, physically for that job. But, you know, I, I don't know. The, the other stuff, there's not, you know, if, if you got four of them saying this other stuff that was going on with everything else involved and the harassment and stuff like that, you know, the NFL can say, well, we, you signed a contract for this or whatever, which is one of the things that they're doing. Oh, you signed a contract that you said everything would be arbitrated in this in this place or whatever. Uh, to me, you know, I don't think anywhere in society could you could you say, oh, I look, uh, you signed off on that. So that means we can harass you or we can do other things in the workplace that that aren't, you know, that aren't copacetic. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like that that part, the NFL would lose that to me. And it seems like in court. I don't know. Yeah, well, certainly they need to do something about the harassment. I know they signed a contract with their pay, and there's likely nothing much they can do about it. But she can always, you know, there's nothing wrong with protesting, getting your word out, and spreading the message. But that needs to be addressed. There needs to be someone around protecting them to make sure that that things like this uh, don't happen. And how could a fan be able to do that in plain view without someone reporting it? I mean, obviously, it was like during intermission when they're doing something like this, where maybe the fans' eyes are on what's happening in front of them with the cheerleaders and whatnot, whatever giveaways they're they're doing. But um, again, it it is a football game, and people are inebriated at, at some point, and you know, they're going to their the restroom or going to concessions. It it may have been just a situation where they weren't able. Uh, nobody was able to report it, but again, it, it, it's beyond me with the people that she was surrounded with that nobody reported it even at that point. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I yeah. nothing, nothing would surprise me. I mean, we've seen, I mean, we've heard so many crazy stories yeah. as far as, you know, I don't know, but you know, a lot, not a lot of good stuff uh, for this show. If you like the the happy and, and fun stuff, but you know, we had to get to some of this stuff because uh, it's huge stories and, and strange stories some of them and, and, and bad stories, obviously heartbreaking and others, especially this Kellen Winslow thing is the, the worst of, of all of those, but uh, uh, not, hopefully we'll get some more action as far as stuff that'll happen. As far as the Texans, maybe some news will break, but um, that's all we got for this one. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to Mark Vandermeer, the longtime voice, the only voice of the Houston Texans. So uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to flash back to part of a conversation that we had with him within the last couple of years. And it's uh, just about his entire history with the Texans. And, and and prior to that, you know, just his background and everything. So th- that's going to be a good one. You're going to want to listen to that one. Uh, anyway, uh, Brian's got it all covered on 
House of Houston, of course, houseofhouston.com. Go check that out with Rockets, Astros, everything that's going on in Houston sports. My Houston Sports Talk podcast, easy to find on iTunes, most anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're going to talk some Astros this week. There's no doubt about that. When you're done listening to today's Locked On Texans, rate us on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. Let us know what you think, what you might suggest, and we'll take it to heart. That's all we got for this one. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (laughs) 